0: John 15 is this great truth that we were made to live lives that are full of God and to be fully alive. I'm going to say that so many times today because I really want us to to soak down in the depths of our hearts. I want us to remember that. I want us to think about that. I want those words to change us. John 15 is this great reality that you and I were made to live lives that are full of God and to be fully alive. Here in just a minute we're going to read through all of John 15 but I want to just highlight something before we jump in. Jesus makes all these amazing promises in John 15. And so he promises that, that, that we will bear fruit. He promises us that we will not live unproductive lives. He promises us that we won't wither, that our lives won't be dry, that, that we won't leave these, these dead, godless lives. He promises us that when we pray the Father will answer. He promises us that the Father will look at our lives and he will actually receive glory. He will actually like be proud of us and not only just that we're his kids but the way that we live. He tells us that we will have the joy of Jesus deep in our bones. And he promises us that our joy will be complete. That the maximum joy that we could experience in this life, these are the things that Jesus promises to his people in John 15. You know, I was thinking about this week, the majority of us though, we haven't even begun to taste the richness. We haven't even begun to taste the goodness and the joy and the fullness of life that God has for us. I had this image earlier this week as I was preparing that that a lot of us, that the majority of us, are like little kids standing on the seashore and we have these moments with God and we call it swimming. Like we're standing on the seashore and like the water is hitting our feet, and those are the moments that that we see God. Those are the moments that we encounter God, that we we feel His presence, that we know His goodness. And God is looking at us and going, Man, you're experiencing what I have for you, but not fully. I feel like God was just saying to me this week that, that He is inviting us to swim in the waters of life with Him, to be so aware of His presence, to enjoy His purposes. And some in our church are experiencing this, but for the majority of us, man, we are settling for the waves of God, settling for moments with God. When you and I were made to swim, we were made to live every moment with God. Jesus in John chapter 15 is talking to his disciples, to ordinary men who were far from God before they met Jesus. And Jesus shows up to them and he says, people like you can live lives that are full of God and fully alive. You can just imagine Matthew, one of the 12 apostles, this guy who advanced the the kingdom of Jesus after Jesus was crucified, resurrected after he went to heaven. Matthew, one of the disciples, you can just imagine him going, Jesus, you can do someone like me? Like a liar? Someone who spent the majority of their life taking advantage of people. You can go and read Matthew's story in Matthew chapter nine. Or you can just imagine Peter going, Jesus, I can live a life full of God even though like I have the best of intentions you know so often like when it comes down to it I just keep doing the things that I don't want to do you telling me that that I can live a life that is full of you and fully alive or Thomas with all of his doubts all of his questions Jesus looks at his apostles and said yes (laughs) people like you in high school um, one of the things that our football team would do every summer is we would go up to northern Kentucky and uh, for a week of football camp. And we were there the same time that the Cincinnati Bengals were in town. Austin, you're welcome. And the Bengals are an NFL football team, if you didn't know that. And we would go up to Cincinnati and we would have three practices a day. And at the end of every day, we would go and watch the Bengals practice. Our coaches would drag us all there and they would say, man, this is what it looks like to be a team. This is what it looks like to practice. This could be you. And so we would watch these guys like run really fast and tackle really hard and throw these perfect passes and run these precise routes and all of us just looked at each other like we can't be that. Like our coaches are smoking something and we, we just knew that like we couldn't do that. We couldn't be that. So many times we see this extraordinary life of God, this life that he wants for us and we go man we can't do that that's not for somebody like me and Jesus in John chapter 15 says man not only can you live a life that is full of God and that is fully alive but this is actually what we were created for and so in John 15 he says let me show you how I'm going to read the first 17 verses I just encourage you to read along or pull out your phone if you have the Bible app you can read along with us or you can just listen to me but I really want you to listen and hear these words from John 15 I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. This is the word of God from John chapter 17. There's so much good stuff in here. We don't have time to, to unpack every word and go through this verse by verse. since so I really wanna encourage you to go home and to read this and to to listen to the Lord. What I want to do this morning is just to give us some things that I think God might have for us as a community, as a family here at Ethos. I love the very first thing that we see in this text is that Jesus just shows us this relationship that exists. The first kind of movement that I want us to think about to like keep us together is this relationship. And so he says this in verse five and in verse one, he says, I am the true vine. He says, you are the branches, we are the branches the father is a gardener what's in verse 1 and verse 5 I love that Jesus says I am the true vine it's this word this word true it's this idea that that he is trustworthy you know we live in a world and in a culture where everyone has an opinion about Jesus I have a good friend and he was telling me the other day about um his professor at school and how his professor doesn't believe in Jesus she's not a Christian but she was saying man Jesus was a really good guy he was a historical figure and he was a great teacher but he wasn't the son of God everyone has their opinion about Jesus our parents have their opinions about Jesus. Our children have their opinions about Jesus. Our friends have their opinions about Jesus. And I love what Jesus does, but because he does what I do when I'm trying to get my little girl's attention friendly. I take her little face and I'm like, have her look me in the eyes. And I love what Jesus is doing in John 15. He's saying, listen to me. He says, I'm the, I'm the true vine. Like, I'm trustworthy. He says, I'm real. I'm here. He says, I'm, I'm the life source. I'm the power source he says I'm the true vine he says you are the branches and I love this because he's ordering us he's helping us see that that we exist because of him and Jesus does not exist for us I love that he's talking to these 12 men that really do believe that Jesus is the uh, the son of God in the flesh These men believe that Jesus alone is the hope of the world, that he's the savior of the world, that he's the one that, that his death and his resurrection will completely cover us and make us in a good place with God. They really believe that Jesus is everything that he says he was. And he, and these 12 men had left everything to follow Jesus. And Jesus in verse three, he looks at these guys and he says, you're clean. This idea of being clean is this idea of being pure being blameless, being faultless. He says, when, when the Father looks at you, He sees someone that is completely holy, perfectly righteous. You're pure. 11 verse 2, and I don't know what you thought of when you heard the word pruned. But he looks at these guys and he says, man, for the past three years that that God has been pruning your life, he has been removing all the garbage in your life. And so this idea of pruning is is you go to a plant or to a shrub or to a a piece of fruit and and you cut away so that greater fruitfulness is inevitable. And Jesus looks at these men and he says, man, for the past three years, he says, God has been working through me that I am God and I've been pruning your life, cutting away all the things in your life that are not of me. And I was thinking about how beautiful this is because those of us who are Christians, this is what Jesus says to us. He says to us, you're clean. You can't hear that enough. We can't hear this truth enough that that when God looks at us, we are completely forgiven, completely pure, completely righteous. That we don't have to worry about standing in front of his presence one day because the blood of Jesus Christ is good. That his death on the cross of Calvary covers sinful people that when anyone, whenever anyone turns to Christ in faith and says, I believe that you're alive, that you died for me, there's salvation in that moment. We are clean because of Jesus. We are no longer sinners. We are saints. I love the verse that Andrew read in Titus, says that, that you and I, when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, when Jesus Christ appeared, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He says, I am the true vine. You are the clean branches that are continually being pruned. He says, and my father is the gardener. And this hit me on Thursday. I love this this picture that he's wanting us to understand about who God is, about who the father is. I don't know what you think about. I don't know what you think God is like. For some reason, many of us have this idea that like God hates us, that God is like out to get us. This girl earlier this week, she was talking about how just her parents have had such a rough life and she said this statement, she said, man, my parents are so amazing because God has just thrown all this terrible stuff at them and my parents have taken it in stride. You know, and if we're being honest, like a lot of us, that's how we view God. And he's like this angry being that like has his lightning bolt rod ready to zap us whenever we mess up. And Jesus, who was with the Father before any of us were here, before any of this world, this creation was here, he knows the Father better than any of us. He says, now let me tell you what my Father is like. He said, he's actually like a, a gentle gardener that's walking among you. Courtney and I had a garden this summer. We don't live in East Nashville, but you can have a garden if you don't live in East Nashville. And so we had a garden. And it is such a pain, isn't it? Like it's just such a pain to have a garden. Like all these things go wrong. Like we walk out one day and these stupid bugs are eating our squash and zucchini plant. So we get some spray and kill the bugs. We walk outside one day and a storm had come and it knocked over all of our tomato plants and so we get these tobacco sticks and drive them deep down in the ground so that it'll make the tomato plant stand up and we walk back out the next day and they've fallen over again and we're just like, God. And the process of having a garden is a lot of work and it's not a lot of fun. And I love what Jesus is wanting us to see about the Father. That he is so committed to us Living this full life of God with God. That he is committed to continually pruning the the garbage in our lives. That he's not one that walks among us and and, and zaps us every time we sin. And zaps us every time we think of a a sinful thought. That he's a father that is gently walking among us the way we walked among our garden this year. And every time there was a weed we would pull it. We do whatever it took to make sure these plants Produced. And our Father is so in tune to our lives that this is a picture of Jesus going, You need to know that He's like a gentle gardener. This is a relationship. I'm the true vine, and you are the branches. You exist because of me, you exist for me. My Father's a gardener. This is a relationship that exists. I love the second movement that we see in this text because I think this is the word. If you're nothing else today, hear this word remain. He says that if this is a relationship that exists, this is what it looks like to live in the relationship. And he says it over and over and over and over again, the word remain. In verse four, remain in me as I remain in you, as the Holy Spirit remains in us. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. He says in verse five, remain in me you'll bear much fruit. In verse six, if you do not remain in me, verse seven, if you remain in me, verse nine, if you remain, verse 10, if you remain, it's like this word is going, man, if you hear nothing else, remain. You know, last week we, we, we talked about this idea in John chapter 14 that the Holy Spirit is given to live inside of Christians forever. I'm convinced that, that moments with God they don't just shape us but they change us okay like I'm convinced that when we like encounter the the living God there's something about that moment that just stirs our heart for more of God earlier this week I was talking to one of my buddies and he was telling me about this moment that he had a couple weeks ago where where he was at work and he just he said that he heard God like he heard the Holy Spirit telling him to do something there was this person who was in need and God was telling him to take care of the need and so he he did it and he took care of it and he talked about how there was such incredible just like joy in that moment have you ever like read the bible and your heart was just stirred for God Have you ever prayed something and a week later or two weeks later or a year or 10 years later that prayer that you've been praying is answered? Isn't there just joy in that moment? Think about how many times I've woken up. For about four years, I was like, man, just every day I would wake up and I would spend time with God. And there's something about being with God that's just like, it's like the best part of your day and I would spend time with God and and my heart would be like filled with joy and peace and love and then every time without a doubt it'd be like 30 minutes later and I'm like okay that's enough like time with God now I got to go to work or now I got to go walk my dog (laughs) or now I got to make breakfast or now I got to go make lunch or whatever it is And it was so beautiful because God was just revealing in my life this week that that He did not give me, He did not give us the Holy Spirit just so we could spend 30 minutes a day with Him or 10 minutes a day with Him. You know, we miss out on so much of God when we deduce our connection to God down to our Sunday mornings. Or when we deduce our time, our connection with God down to what happens in our house churches when we deduce our connection to God based on our our, our morning routine with God. God has never desired just to fill one hour or time slot on our schedule. The Holy Spirit is given so that our lives, not just passing moments, are marked with his presence. That God has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we could live the entirety of our lives with God. And this is what it means to to be fully alive. Have you ever encountered God? Have you ever like experienced His kindness? Have you ever experienced His forgiveness? Have you ever been used by God? Jesus says, remain, remain, and when we think about what what he is commanding us in verse four, it's not an invitation by Jesus, that word remain, it's much stronger language, he says, this is a command, he says, remain in me, and when we understand what it is that God is commanding us to do, we go, man, why would we not? Why would we choose anything else? Like if you're offering me joy and peace and life and what happens in those moments where my heart is completely locked in with you, why would I ever step outside of that? And I think it's because he understands that so often our tendency is to give God a little piece of our day like we give one of our friends a piece of our day and then to go about our business. And Jesus is commanding us for man Like when we're eating with our friends and remain in Jesus. When we're eating supper with our, our spouses, remain in Jesus. When you hang out with your buddies on Friday night, remain in Jesus. When you're alone on business, remain in Jesus. When you put your kids to bed, remain in Jesus. When you give into temptation, remain in Jesus. When life is hard, remain in Jesus. When life falls apart, remain in Jesus. In every season, in every situation, in every moment, remain. You know, I was asking myself this week what does it mean to remain? And I don't know if I have a good answer for us. I don't know if it's easily answered. I think part of what it means to remain is that we pray. I think part of what it means to to remain is that we listen to God. We respond to God, that we obey God, that we read the scriptures. I think part of what it means to, to remain is that we follow Jesus and that we put ourselves in godly community. Maybe I can condense remaining into these two kind of pillars. Maybe remaining is having an openness in our lives for God to speak. Maybe that's one pillar. Maybe the other pillar is that what it means to remain is that there is an active pursuit of God in our lives. i was thinking about this idea of what if what it means to remain is that in every moment we are open to letting god speak into our lives to speak into our lives however he wants through our friends through the scriptures through the holy spirit through dreams god was speaking to me this week through the holy spirit Had one of these moments where I, on Monday, I get to the office and God has just been convicting me. Like Brandon, we've got some stuff we need to deal with in your heart. I said you're 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 really like you're living your life for me, but you're also living a big part of your life for you. It's why you have so much anxiety. It's why you're getting so easily angered because you believe that if you give me from 6 a.m. till about 8 p.m., that's enough. You believe that if you're connected to me like Sunday through Thursday, that's enough. And it was like God going, man, I just think about the, the, the moments, Brandon, where you're locked in with me. And as I started thinking about that, my time in the Word, my time in prayer, the times that I'm aware of the presence of God, I go, man, it's, God, my life, when, when you are, are the, the one that I'm thinking about living for, it's like living water. It's like this refreshing drink of cold water on a hot day. God, that, that, that you do something in my life that nothing else does. Last Saturday, I told you guys this if you were here last Sunday. Last Saturday, I just had this amazing time with, with God. And it's not like this every time I open the Bible. Like, that's why it's so memorable. This past week, I didn't have any of these moments. But last Saturday, Courtney and Finley Jones were all taking naps. And, and I just read, started reading in the end of John. John 17 and 18 and 19 and 20 and 21. And my heart was just so moved by God. There's joy, there's peace in that moment. Sunday afternoon I came home and I wasn't feeling very well last week and so I took a nap and I woke up from a nap and I was just kind of laying on the recliner not feeling very well and I just hear I was hearing God say Brandon like remember what happened yesterday Said that is yours today as well I just was hearing God just going man just be with me And I just, this is confession. I heard God, and I just said, no, I think I'm going to watch football. And so for three hours, I just sat and I watched the Broncos and the Seahawks play. And it was a fun game to watch. It was a good game to watch. And I got done with it, and God was going, man, ah. Remember what happened yesterday. And you were so locked into this game, you don't even care about this game. And it was like one of these moments where God was going, Brandon, we got some pruning to do in your life. And there was a difference in the work of God in my life because I didn't feel condemned, I didn't feel damned to hell. It was like God saying, remember the living water that you tasted on Saturday. One of the things that Courtney and I just drives us crazy right now with Finley, she loves to take baths and she loves to drink the dirty bath water. It drives us crazy. She'll like have this little cup and she'll like dip her water down in this water that she's peed in and we're drinking. We're like knocking it out of her hands. We're like, stop it. Like, if you want water, if you want milk, we'll get whatever you want for you. Just quit drinking your pee water. And she just keeps doing it. We're like having to keep tell her. And I love it because God and like John 15 was looking at me this week going, Brandon, I'm offering you living water. I'm offering you my presence. I'm offering you the joy and the peace and the life and the meaningfulness that comes in every moment. So don't drink pee water. And I'm not talking about football games. I'm not talking, I don't think that this means that we become hermits that just sit in front of uh, our couches and read the Bible and pray all day long. That's not the life that Jesus lived. I think there's an openness. So when God speaks, we respond. But it's not just an openness. It's not this just passive posture that we take. There is an active pursuit of the living God. That we actively pursue keeping his commands, that we actively pursue being with him in prayer, that we actively pursue putting ourselves around other godly people so that we can encourage them and love them and walk with them. That is an active pursuit of God. To know the word of God, to to cherish the word of God, to love the word of God. I got a text earlier this week uh, from one of my friends and they texted me this verse. Zephaniah chapter three, verse 17. I didn't even know where it was in the Bible. I had to like look it up. It said, the Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his anger or in his love, he will no longer rebuke you. That he will rejoice over you with singing. And my friend sent me that text and they had no idea what it was going to do in my heart all week. All week I just kept replaying that verse in my mind. That I would find myself like being overwhelmed with anxiety or stress or worry. I would find myself thinking about like uh, how annoyed I was or how tired I was. And I would just say those words. The Lord your God is with you. A mighty warrior who saves he will take great delight in you in his love he will no longer rebuke you but he will rejoice over you with singing I just kept telling myself this week the Holy Spirit was telling me this week that you are most alive Brandon when you are most aware of God this remaining with God in every moment this is the good life this is a life that we were created to live I love in John chapter 15 because he paints for us this beautiful relationship he shows us what it looks like to remain and then he shows us the result like He shows us what happens when we choose to continually remain and be aware of God. He says, you'll bear much fruit. In verse 5, he says, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. In verse 8, he says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. In verse 16, he says, I appointed you that you might go and bear fruit. What happens when we remain in Jesus? Jesus. What happens when we live with an openness to the Holy Spirit to work and to speak in our lives? What happens when we decide to lay down the entirety of our lives for the glory of God? He says, you will bear fruit. Let me phrase it this way. We will live like Jesus lived. Verse 12, he says, my command is this. Love each other just as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And I think this is so beautiful because what he is saying is that should we choose to remain in Jesus, we'll become like Jesus. That our lives will bear fruit and the specific fruit that we will see is that we will start to love people the way that Jesus loved them. The way that Jesus loves us. The word life in verse 13 is this Greek word. It's the word psyche. And it's this comprehensive understanding of what it means to be alive. That It's a comprehensive experience of a person. It's our health and our happiness and our energy and our time. And Jesus is saying, man, when you remain in me, you start to lay down your life your energy and your time and your happiness for your friends we saw this first in Jesus that he laid down the entirety of his life of what he wanted and his happiness and his life and his well-being and you know who benefited because of it his friends us friends of God we are friends of God. Philippians chapter 2, it says that, that Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, so he took the nature of a servant. He humbled himself. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Isaiah chapter 53, you should go home and read this. It's one of the most beautiful prophecies that Christ fulfilled Isaiah chapter 53, it says that that Jesus took up our pain. Jesus bore our suffering. Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was laid on Jesus. And by Jesus' wounds, you and I are healed. This love we saw first in Christ. What is so encouraging to me is that that I see this kind of love all around me in our church? Just think about this week, Amos and Ann, people in our house church, they just moved. And on Wednesday night, they just asked our house church, hey, is there anyone here that can be at our house at 7 a.m. on Saturday morning to help us move? Several people from our house church said, I'll be there. Like what makes someone give up their only day off? What makes someone give up their their only day to sleep in? To get up and help somebody move. That's what happens. It's the byproduct of what happens when you remain in Jesus. That you start to lay down your life for other people. And it's a joyful thing. God has been inviting me the past week. To start spending time with him on behalf of my friends, and so this week, man, I just I got to pray and I was thanking for my thanking God for my friends. I was praying for their holiness. I was praying that they would have an awareness of uh, of God and also an awareness of the enemy, so they wouldn't give in to temptation. I was thanking God for, for my friends, for the blessings that God has given to them. Like I was thanking, Aunt, I was thanking God um, for Keela, for giving Keela to Andrew. I was just thinking about all my friends and all the blessings and it was amazing as I was thinking about, oh, God, that friend got to go on a great vacation and that friend just got to move into a new house and that person is experiencing forgiveness and grace and healing and that person just had a baby and, that per- and I just found myself being so full in the presence of God on behalf of my friends. The majority of my life, my prayers are about me. God, can I have this? God, do this. God, do this. God, do this. And it's like treating God like he was my butler or something. God was going man be with me And there's so much joy giving our lives up for our friends this word friends I think we have too small of an understanding of this idea you know we think about our friends and sometimes we get in the habit of thinking about like this small clique this exclusive little group that no one else can get into and that is not at all what Jesus was talking about He cared nothing about just John and Peter and and Judas and the rest of the apostles just loving each other. And the reason that we know that is because the love of Jesus would have died when those guys died. That the 12 men who originally heard these words understood that the friends that he's talking about is not just our best friends, the people in the world. It's the person sitting beside you, the person that you live beside your sweet mate in your dorm, the person that you live in an apartment with. Our friends is a much bigger perspective. God is trying to expand our understanding of who our friends are. God says, I'm inviting you to lay down your life for other people. To give the best that you have for their good. He says, should you choose to remain in me, this will be a fruit that comes out of your life. I can't wait to see the fruit that is born because you and I choose to remain in Jesus. We are made to live lives that are full of God, that are fully alive. May you and I not be content Like little kids standing on the seashore, settling for passing moments with God. We were made to live in every moment with the Creator. This is where I want to end this morning. I want to give us some questions to think about this week we're going to take communion here in just a minute and and Jared's going to come back up and lead us in some more worship and what I want us to do is to begin thinking about these questions but I know that we're not going to be able to answer them all in this moment and so I encourage you to think about them this week pull out a piece of paper or your phone or something to write with write on your hand I don't care what you write on I just I want to give us some questions to think about the first question is this are you in Christ are you in Christ the goodness the realness of Jesus is he leading you have you given your life to him in John chapter 7 verse 37 Jesus says let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink whoever believes in me rivers of living water will flow from within them are you in Christ do you want to know Christ do you want the entirety of your life to bring him glory and to bless other people are you tired of living this selfish life are you tired of living a life of unbelief Jesus' invitation in John 15 is to step into this life where you will be full of God and fully alive. I invite you, come to Jesus. Anchor your life in his promises and taste and see that the Lord is good. Here in just a minute, we're going to stand and I want to invite you. If if you want to give your life to Jesus, If you go, man, I'm I'm not a Christian, but I want to be a Christian. I I want to, to know God. I want to have the Holy Spirit. He will give it to you. He will give it to you.